We'll be reading from the Gospel of John, chapter 10. I'll be focusing on verses 27 and 28, but I would like to read verses 22 through 30. This is the good news. Now it was the Feast of Dedication in Jerusalem, and it was winter, and Jesus walked in the temple in Solomon's porch. Then the Jews surrounded him and said to him, How long do you keep us in doubt? If you are the Christ, tell us plainly. Jesus answered them, I told you, and you do not believe. The works that I do in my Father's name, they bear witness of me. But you do not believe, because you are not of my sheep, as I said to you. My sheep hear my voice, and I know them, and they follow me. And I give them eternal life, and they shall never perish, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand. My Father, who has given them to me, is greater than all, and no one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand. I and my Father are one. And Lord, we bow before you, and we rejoice that you keep us, that we are yours. Oh, thank you, Father, for your calling. Thank you for your word now that we can delight in. Lord, prepare our hearts that we would worship you even as we hear your word, and we would rejoice and apply your precious word, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, several weeks ago, I shared in the, seri- the I Am series, I shared uh, what the Lord Jesus uh, shared, and he said, I am the door, and the door to the sheepfold, the only door. And he also said, I am the good shepherd. And we talked about what that means. He is the good shepherd. And as I was meditating on those passages, I realized there's a lot more in John 10 uh, that I wanted to share. I didn't have time in a meditation. So I would like to share this morning more about our shepherd and more about us, what that means for us as we follow him as sheep. He set himself apart in this passage. He set himself apart from the Pharisees and from other shepherds. Uh, He set them apart himself apart, because they did not care for the sheep, as he cared, of course. Other shepherds would abandon his sheep, because they didn't love them, as the good shepherd did, and does. But he showed his love for us so clearly, for his own flock, by dying for them, by dying for us, by being the Lamb of God who was sacrificed for us. And this morning, we reviewed question and answer number three of the Shorter Catechism, What do the scriptures principally teach? There are only two parts to that. First of all, the scriptures principally teach what man is to believe concerning God. And we'll see today what what we should believe regarding our shepherd. And what duty requires of man. What duty is required of the sheep. So this passage will focus on the six parts, essentially six brief phrases of verses 27 and 28. And in that, the Lord was telling his people who he is. In other words, what kind of shepherd am I? I'm not like them. This is what I am like. And so we can joyfully follow him. We can follow that kind of shepherd. And he is telling us, he's telling his flock the characteristics and the blessings, the responsibilities and the duty of his people. The duty our shepherd requires of us. What, what, how are we supposed to act as shepherds? as his sheep, as being part of his fold. So it begins in verse 27. The Lord Jesus said, My sheep hear my voice. 
So his people, in other words, have ears to hear what he speaks in his word because the one who caused them to be written, the words of God, the Holy Spirit, enlightens them. He enlightens us to our shepherd's words, to his voice. Romans 10, 17 says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. The Pharisees did not believe in Jesus because they did not belong to him. They would not listen to him. They did not have ears to hear his voice, to hear his precious word. In your notes, I have listed a rather lengthy cross-reference, but I would like to read that again in John chapter 10, the first six verses. Jesus said, most assuredly, I say to you, he who does not enter the sheepfold by the door, but climbs up some other way, the same as a thief and a robber. But he who enters by the door, by the door, is the shepherd of the sheep. To him, the doorkeeper opens, and the sheep hear his voice. And he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them. And the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. Jesus used this illustration, but they did not understand the things which he spoke to them. Now of the Pharisees, Matthew Henry kind of quoted this, in saying like something like to them, that Jesus was saying to them, you are not des- designated to be my followers. You are not of those that were given to me by my Father to be brought to grace and glory. You are not of the number of the elect. And your unbelief, if you persist in it, will be a certain evidence that you are not. In other words, not part of my flock. But of the elect, he says, those who are called by the good shepherd, he says in verse three, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. John 10, seven through nine goes on. Most assuredly, Jesus said, I say to you, I am the door of the sheep. All who ever came before me are thieves and robbers, but the sheep did not hear them. I am the door. If anyone enters by me, he will be saved and, I, and will go in and out and find pasture. So his sheep hear his voice and will not, by God's grace, choose to hear those who seek to steal and kill and destroy. False shepherds, wolves. His people have ears to hear the voice of the Lord, meaning that they want to hear his voice. They delight to hear it. They're able to hear his words. This is indeed a gift of God to those chosen before the foundation of the world. And when he calls us to himself, that call is effectual. We don't use that word so much now, but it will happen. It is effective. It is effectual. Matthew Henry said, faith is the gift of God and the effect of predestination. In the Shorter Catechism, question and answer 31, it's listed there in your notes, Effectual calling is the work of God's Spirit, whereby convincing us of our sin and misery. So we had to be convinced as sheep, like sheep who are harassed and helpless, like without a shepherd, lost, weak, vulnerable to enemies. So the Holy Spirit then also enlightens our minds in the knowledge of Christ. 
In other words, he enlightens us. He opens us, our mind and our heart to learn who is the Lord. To learn that he alone is our shepherd. And then it goes on. The Holy Spirit renews our wills. In other words, we are born again by the Spirit. He renews us so that we will start following the Lord, our shepherd. And then he persuades us and he enables us to embrace Jesus Christ freely offered to us in the gospel. So there, we come to love and we come to follow hard after the good shepherd, the only shepherd. And such a gift to know our shepherd and have opportunity to hear his voice, such a gift should be acted upon, don't you think? should be acted upon with thanksgiving. It should be appreciated, certainly should be rejoiced in, should be practiced with joy. Sheep love to hear the voice of their shepherd. And why not? Because they know he protects them. He feeds them. He enables them to live and to thrive. The Lord said in John, uh, this is in John uh, chapter 10, verse 16. He said, other sheep I have, which are not of this fold. In other words, not to whom he was speaking, not the, the Jews there. They're not of this fold. Them also I must bring, and they will hear my voice, and, and there will be one flock and one shepherd. And each of us and this flock here should love to hear the words of the Lord Jesus. And so dedicate the time to listen to him, to reverently and joyfully and regularly sit at his feet and listen. And when he calls, to quickly obey and follow, and to hear by the enlightening power of the Holy Spirit the words of Scripture, of our shepherd. To be part of his people who can more and more hear his voice and know in deeper and deeper ways the truth of the Lord's word to us. When the prophet Samuel was young and he had just been dedicated to the temple, his parents brought him there, left him there to serve, he heard a voice calling his name. And he understood it as meaning I should do something. I should respond. But he thought it was Eli the first two times. This is in 1 Samuel 3. But after two times, Eli said, well, the next time you'll speak. And so the third time when he heard the voice, he spoke to the Lord and he said, speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Your servant hears. In other words, I am listening, Lord, I now know who I'm speaking to. I am listening, Lord. I long to hear you. I want to hear you. I am your servant, and I want to hear your will. And dear fellow sheep, we're all given the great blessing to be able to hear and to understand in a growing way the voice of the Lord in the word of God. Praise God. So let's not squander such a blessing as this. Let's not take it lightly. He speaks to us as we read and listen to his word. And so may we be good listeners, eager sheep to hear more from him as the Holy Spirit opens our ears to his word. The more we get accustomed to hearing his voice, his truth, the less we will be taken in by the smooth words of the devil and his servants or uh, the false happiness that the world says we can have which then they yell at us, not just speak, or even our own pitiful, selfish cries coming out of uh, our thoughts. We will quickly, I believe, turn away from tempting words 
Um, the enemy in the world speaks around us all the time. In fact, I think we'll say just no. That is wrong. I will not go there. I will not think that. That is wrong. I don't want to hear it like doing that. Romans 6 tells us we can do this, and we should. The Lord showed us how to do this also in Matthew 4, three times. But the third time he said, away with you, Satan. Get behind me. Be gone, in other words. I will not listen anymore. For it is written, you shall worship the Lord your God, and him only shall you serve. So in tempted, he would not listen, but spoke God's powerful word. And the devil fled. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Resist other voices that are all out there. Matthew 24, 5 says that the Lord uh, warned his flock this way. He said, many will come in my name, saying, I am the Christ, and will deceive many. There are many deceiving voices in our culture. I've been reading a book. Actually, Jeremy bought it, which is kind of nice if he buys them and then I can read them. Um, he bought this book. It's written by Kevin Swanson. And the, the title is a little off-putting, I suppose. It's called The Tattooed Jesus. Uh, the subtitle is What Would the Real Jesus Do with Pop Culture? It's been a very good book. I've appreciated it greatly. In this book, Kevin warns very well in many ways, uh, gives warnings about the way our society, uh, observations of our culture, uh, how they clearly and subtly speak to us and incessantly. And he exhorts us to be wiser, much wiser in avoiding the call of the enemy for us to listen, to hear enticing words. And we have a media that does that. And we have to be extremely cautious and careful. This book is a good exhortation, has been to me. And he exhorts us to be much more discerning of false philosophies and worldviews uh, in our culture, of good and evil, for example, in movies or in music. And so as not to be taken in by untruth, other words, uh, in other words, to stop hearing and following other voices. There are so many voices out there, and they're attractive, but we should hear the voice of our shepherd. Thank God we're able to hear the Lord in his word and not be drawn away by false shepherds and enemies. May we be sensitive, dear family, to his voice more and more and not let it get drowned out by the incessant noise of perverted voices. Dear family, your shepherd's voice is wonderful. Your shepherd's voice is beautiful and it's powerful. Listen to your shepherd. Do all that you can to hear it and listen to it. So Jesus said, secondly, and I know them. My sheep hear my voice and I know them, he said. John 10, 14 says, I am the good shepherd and I know my sheep and am known by my own. It's a reciprocal relationship. Praise God that we are known by him and that he has revealed himself to his own so that we can then know him personally and closely as our Lord and our shepherd. A good shepherd knows his sheep, knows his sheep very well, I believe. He knows their unique character. Even with a large flock, I've understood that they'll know, they'll even name these sheep and they'll know this, person, this one's gonna go off down there again. So they know, a good shepherd knows the characteristics of the sheep. A good shepherd knows how they act in certain circumstances. He knows how they react to stress, for example. Kind of how they think in certain situations. So why is it important that we know that he knows us? Why is that so important? As the sheep of his pasture, 
Knowing that he knows all about us is humbling, certainly, and that's okay. We need to be humbled. It's humbling, but it also gives us confidence, and it gives us joy, because knowing it all, he yet gave his life for us, and he now accepts us. He opened the door to his fold, into his pasture. And while that thought may also cause some fear in us that he knows everything, because he knows our sinful thoughts, he knows our foolish actions, he knows hurtful words we have said, more than anyone. And he still says, I have loved you with an everlasting love. And this gives us even more comfort that he can love us and that he can accept us as the sheep of his pasture. And he gave his life as the sacrificial lamb of God. So you'll notice in the notes, Psalm 139, it begins, O Lord, David said, O Lord, you have searched me and known me. You know my sitting down and my rising up. You understand my thought afar off. So he knows everything. My sitting down and my rising up. Do you know how many times you sit down and rise up in a day? No, but the Lord does. He knows everything. Everything that we would call daily matters, maybe we don't, we don't even think about those things. And David said, you understand my thought afar off, not, not for distance. There's no distance for God. He has no, there's nothing that would stop him from understanding each of us. Every particular action you take, every thought that you have, even unconscious to you, is known by him. The verse four says, for there is not a word on my tongue, but behold, O Lord, you know it altogether. He knows the thoughts behind the words. Jesus told the crowds in the Sermon on the Mount, your father knows the things you have need of before you ask him. He knows. Praise God, he knows. And David said in verse six, such knowledge is too wonderful for me. It is high, I cannot attain it. May the knowledge that our shepherd knows us be marvelous in our eyes and be so wonderful that all we can do is praise him and follow him. Verse 16 says, in your book, they all were written, the days fashioned for me, when as yet there were none of them. Every day, every moment, every second. He knows every day you will be on earth. And there never was a time when you were not known by God. David is praising God here, as we should, and giving him glory, that he knows all things about all things. He is omniscient, and we must be conscious that he knows all things about us. We may have some fear again that God knows all our thoughts, but we should rightfully rejoice that someone knows us completely. Other people cannot know our thoughts, our feelings, our sorrows to the depth we do. Even a spouse of 30 or 40 years, she may be able to finish my sentences better, but only God knows everything. And even we ourselves don't understand our own thoughts, but the Lord understands completely, praise God, and him alone. We will never understand ourselves as the Lord God does. And we can only understand ourselves we can only understand our hearts as we draw near to him, as we hear the words of our shepherd calling us. Because his word is the discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart, Hebrews 4.12. And Hebrews 4.13, not only does he hear his sheep, he knows everything about us. Hebrews 4.13 makes it clear, it says, there is no creature hidden from his sight. 
But all things are naked and open to the eyes of him to whom we must give account. Everything. But this knowing, I want to emphasize, this knowing here is not just uh, mental knowledge or scent here in John 10. This is more like a good friend who knows us very, very well. And we can tell them everything. And of course, we are thankful for friends like that. Or certainly for a spouse who knows how to finish our sentences. John 10.3 says, he calls his own sheep by name. Our names, dear family, are engraved on his hands. Isaiah 49.16. I have inscribed you on the palms of my hands. Our shepherd knows us by name as the unique individual that he made us to be. He knows all the stars in heaven by name also. And he knows everyone, every soul ever created. We cannot be forgotten, praise God, by our shepherd, or hidden, actually, or hide from our shepherd. He watches over us as we sleep, when we are alone or feel alone, or when we are in darkness, literally or figuratively, or when we are not always following him. We're kind of not really behind our shepherd sometimes. Even in the shadow of death, he is with us. His rod and his staff, his eternal presence comforts us. Well, brothers and sisters in Christ, rejoice that it is impossible for you to ever be out of your shepherd's sight and his care. You will never be alone. Rejoice and be comforted in his constant presence and in his complete knowledge of your heart, his complete knowledge of your fears, of your joys, and of all your sorrows whatever is going on in your heart. So Jesus said, my sheep hear my voice and I know them. And then he said, and they follow me. So back to verses uh, three through five uh, in John 10 there uh, uh, under number one. Verse three says, the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. And when he brings out his own sheep, he goes before them and the sheep follow him for they know his voice. Yet they will by no means follow a stranger, but will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. They may hear them, but they don't know them. They don't follow them. And sheep should follow such a shepherd, one whose voice they love to hear, one who calls them by name, by their name, who knows them completely and leads them to his pasture. In other words, he goes before them. Praise God, we can follow our shepherd We can go where we will thrive and be safe. And one of the characteristics of his sheep is that they learn to turn away, as I mentioned a little bit earlier, turn away from the voices that they know are dangerous now. There are many dangerous voices that we should not even be listening to. They do not follow those voices, his sheep. They more and more can tell the voices around them that are not his. And they can be very subtle. The enemy is subtle. And we know the voice of truth and the voice of error as we are in the word of God, hearing our shepherd. And it is, of course, wise for sheep to follow their shepherd. And it is very unwise and dangerous to follow any other, even temporarily. And what does following look like? Just here's a few suggestions. First of all, in Matthew 4.19, the Lord said to the disciples, to the fishers, they were fishers, some of them, He said, follow me and I will make you fishers of men. 
Brothers and sisters, if we are following the Lord, if we walk in obedience and faith behind our shepherd, follow him, he will enable us to help other people, to bring other sheep with us as we follow him. Fathers, here, this is true of us in leading our families, that we cannot lead them well, we cannot lead our family well, unless we ourselves are following the shepherd. Friends, you all have friends here. This is true of you also, as you seek to help your friend, whatever way that may be, because you love them, you want to help them. Anybody you seek to help must follow you to the Lord, to our shepherd, must also learn to follow hard after their shepherd. And that verse, Psalm 63, 8, I think is a key takeaway today. My soul, David said, my soul follows close behind you. Some versions say, my soul follows hard after you, my shepherd. In the pursuit of God, A.W. Tozer, this is in a chapter, and I just shared this several months ago. This is from the first chapter called Following Hard After God, the pursuit of God from A.W. Tozer. He said, we are meant to follow hard or follow closely to our shepherd. If there is a distance between us, this is me now, if there is a distance between us, that is a very dangerous position for sheep. If there is a long distance between your shepherd and, and you, it is because we have moved, right? Because we have strayed. Because we are dawdling. And we're not keeping our eyes on him. Or, nor are we following hard behind him, meaning close. Another aspect of following our shepherd is following those who have walked or are walking closely to the shepherd who have followed him diligently. First, those God has called to be under shepherds. In 2 Thessalonians 3, chapter, uh, verse 9, Paul said that he and other leaders sought to be examples to, to the flock there. He, he, wanted to, he was telling them, we are seeking to be examples of how those they are called to lead should follow. Hebrews 13, 7 says, remember those who rule over you. And that word rule is also translated lead. Remember those who rule over you, who have spoken the word of God to you, whose faith follow, considering the outcome of their conduct. And I would pause here and ask again, pray for your elders, pray for your church officers. But our primary example, of course, is our, our chief shepherd. 1 Peter 2, verse 21. For to this you were called because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example that you should follow in his steps. Now, First Peter, he was speaking to a church that was under a heavy persecution. And he said, because Christ also suffered for us, leaving us an example. So, in another passage, there's a scribe who came to the Lord Jesus, and he said, teacher, I will follow you wherever you go. And Jesus said to him, foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Following the shepherd may not be comfortable, may be very difficult, but it is the blessed path that we are given. And we should be like Matthew, the tax collector. Uh, it says in Scripture, he saw, Jesus saw a man named Matthew sitting at the tax office, and he said to him, follow me. So he rose and followed him. He followed him who he knew was his shepherd. And the disciples who fished in Luke 5 says when they had brought their boats to land, they forsook all and followed him. 
They forsook all. They forsook their career, I guess you could say, maybe their family. They forsook other voices, certainly. If anyone desires, Lord Jesus said to us, if anyone desires to come after me, in other words, to follow me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. The sobering words in Matthew 10 related to that. He, the Lord Jesus said, He who does not take his cross and follow after me is not worthy of me. Well, praise God, he is teaching us, and he is very patient, and he is training us to know his voice through his precious word, the leading of his spirit by his word. And then he is teaching us and he's training us to follow him. What does it mean to follow him? To follow what he says in faith on this path that, that he has brought us on, that he is leading us on now. Verse 28, the Lord said, I give them eternal life. Now the next three sections are closely related. In the Lord's prayer for his flock in John 17, he said that the Father gave authority over all flesh to him, over all flesh, for him to give eternal life to as many as the Father had given him. So the Father had given him those who will live eternally. And verse three says, and this is eternal life, Lord Jesus said, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent. So remember, he's praying to his Father. This is eternal life. This is what eternal life is, that they may know you, the only true God, and Jesus Christ, whom you have sent, referring to himself. Matthew Henry said it is, he's talking here um, not so much about length of time again. Matthew Henry said this, is, this eternal life is the happiness of an immortal soul in the vision of an eternal God. It is a life which transcends this life as much in excellency as it does in duration. So eternal life is first knowing God our Father. It is the knowledge of the only true and living God, our Heavenly Father, meaning not just understanding again. It is the relationship that we have, the growing relationship we have with our Creator. And then the Lord Jesus said, eternal life is knowing Jesus Christ whom you have sent. A humble way, this is a humble way of the Lord referring to himself in the third person as the Son of Man about the Son of God. And so we begin to know and we begin to enjoy this eternal life now after our regeneration, after we are born again, as we grow in walking with our shepherd, as we follow him. There is no life, there is no eternal life without the Lord Jesus. A verse of assurance, 1 John 5, 11, 11 and 12. And this is the testimony that God has given us eternal life. And this life is in his son. He who has the son has life. He who does not have the son of God does not have life. Eternal life is a gift from our shepherd by his free grace. And then he adds to that, that he is giving us eternal life, that they shall never perish. Now the word perish has a number of meanings. Certainly it means suffer death, but uh, a lot of times it is defined as, uh, it's typically in a violent way, this death, or in a sudden way, or in an untimely way. So they perished. It also means destroy, it also means spiritual death, uh, decay, or even to disappear. Matthew Henry said, shepherds that have large flocks often lose some of their sheep. You know, it's, it's hard to not lose sheep in a very large flock. But 
Matthew Henry emphasized, Christ has engaged that none of his sheep shall perish, not one. Our shepherd said in John 6, this is the will of him who sent me, that I shall lose none of those he has given me, but raise them up at the last day. Praise God. And here's a passage you all know. You may be quoted many times. John 3, 16. I'm gonna start with 14 though. It says there, and as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, remember, he raised up that serpent and anybody who saw that would not die. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up. And he was, praise God, for us. That whoever believes in him should not perish, but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. In the Canons of Dort, we've read this a couple times a year, we have this in the readings. Canons of Dort, 5.6. And Jared shared many things related to what we'll be talking about here. But God, who is rich in mercy, it says, according to his unchangeable purpose of election, does not wholly withdraw the Holy Spirit from his own people, even in their melancholy falls, nor suffers them to proceed so far as to lose the grace of adoption and forfeit the state of justification, or to commit the sin unto death. Nor does he permit them to be totally deserted and to plunge themselves into everlasting destruction. And then moving on, neither shall anyone snatch them out of my hand, Jesus said. No one will remove my sheep from my fold. Verse 29 says, my father who has given them to me, remember in John 17, he said similarly, my father who has given them to me is greater than all and no one is able to snatch them out of my father's hand. You can't do it. Not from my father, not from me. Matthew Henry again said, the shepherd is so careful of their welfare, our shepherd, the Lord Jesus, is so careful of their welfare, of our welfare, that he has them not only within his fold and under his eye, under his careful watch, in other words, but in his hand, in his special love, and taken under his special protection. And this is interesting, I thought. He went on and said, yet they're enemies. They're enemies still of the sheep. Their enemies are so daring that they attempt to pluck them out of his hand. His whose own they are, whose care they are, but they cannot, they shall not do it. Those are safe who are in the hands of the Lord Jesus. The saints are preserved in Christ Jesus and their salvation is not in their own keeping, but in the keeping of a mediator, the keeping of your shepherd. So this is called the doctrine of perseverance or eternal security. Again, Jared shared from that this morning from, a, from the larger catechism. But eternal, our eternal security is not founded on our ability, praise God, but on the promises of God, and it's by grace alone. John 17, 12 says, Jesus said, while I was with them in the world, I kept them in your name. Those whom you gave me, I have kept. 1 Peter 1, 5 says that we are kept by the power of God through faith. And as you see in the notes again, the Westminster Confession, chapter 17, the title of that is Of the Perseverance of the Saints. This is just a brief part of it. You should go there and read that if you need to be encouraged. 
those whom God has accepted in his beloved, effectually called and sanctified by his spirit, can neither totally nor finally fall away from the state of grace, but shall certainly persevere therein to the end and be eternally saved. So, dear family, be confident. Philippians 1.6, he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. And it says in Philippians to be confident of that. Romans 8, 38 and 39, be persuaded. It says in that passage that we should be persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing. Some versions say anything else in all creation shall be able to separate you from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. And praise God, those who have saving faith, who have been regenerated, regenerated hearts, should be very secure sheep, knowing that no one can remove them from the hand of God, from the protection of their shepherd. The Almighty God guarantees this and has given us his Holy Spirit as a pledge, as a seal. And the Lord finishes what he begins, and his sovereign purposes and election cannot fail. And so I end with this, and I pray this for you all. I pray that it would characterize all of us here. Picture sheep sleeping peacefully because their shepherd is there. I will both lie down in peace and sleep, for you alone, O Lord, make me dwell in safety. So we can be like sheep who can lie down and we can rest and we can rest in peace because we are safe, because our shepherd keeps us. So dear fellow sheep, praise God that we can follow the voice of our shepherd who knows us and he loves us and has given us the secure promise of eternal life in him. Let's pray. Oh Lord God, we are so blessed to have a loving and a powerful shepherd in our Lord Jesus Christ. And that you speak to us in your word by your spirit and that you know us. And so we bow, we bow in reverence now as part of your flock to say that we love you, Lord God, and to ask for grace to follow you with all our heart. Lord, we rejoice in your promise of eternal life and that we will never perish and that you will keep us. And Lord, we exalt you and we pray in the name of Jesus Christ, the shepherd and overseer of our souls, we pray in his name, amen.